Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. It's good to be on with you for another hour of Catholic Drive Time, and it's going to be a, a good. It's going to be a great hour. It's going to be a jam-packed hour. Dorothy Cummins McLean from LifeSite News is going to be on in our "What's Concerning Us" segment. A couple of stories there that we want her to cover for us. One is a story we mentioned. I guess it was Monday uh, when we were focusing on the faithful in Europe. We had uh, uh, Trugoel on. You might recall. And the gentleman from TFP in France on. Well, there was a story out of France about uh, a family uh, who had six kids removed from their home. And they were placed in foster care. They were Catholic kids placed in the home of a Muslim, taught Muslim prayers, and were not allowed to go to Holy Mass. And uh, Dorothy Cummins McLean is the one who posted the article on LifeSide News about that. So we've asked her to come on to sort of talk about what's going on in that story in particular. Uh, and then, of course, in the broader scope of what is going on in the, with the faithful in France, it is like uh, the French Revolution is alive and well there. So we're going to have that conversation with Dorothy Cummins McLean coming up in just a little bit. And then, of course, in our guest segment, we're going to have a great uh, conversation with the Bishop of Memes. Do you know what memes are? You know, I can recall the first time I heard people starting to use the word memes, and I, was, I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> and I, I, it's like, I think that was the first time I felt old. <laughs> it's like all the cool kids are saying things like memes, and I have no idea what that meant. So I had to go look it up. And of course, memes are something we all see every day on social media, where you take uh, an image from a television show, a, a film, or you create something in a, in a like Photoshop or something, and you're trying to illustrate something, uh, teach a lesson, make something funny, I don't know, call something out. And we see these images all the time. Well, there's a bishop who uses these memes to try to teach the faith. Uh, He is from Australia. His name is Bishop Richard Umbers, and he is the auxiliary in Sydney there. And so he's going to be our guest today in our guest segment to talk about the... uh, the faithful in, in Australia, I'm going to be asking him several questions about what's, uh, what is uh, it like for the faithful in the church in Australia, but also why does he use memes? What does he hope to accomplish? And all of that, all of that coming up on, on today's Catholic Drive Time in this hour. Of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. You're a little too chipper, I think, this time of the morning. <laughs> I had a little um, Klein bar, so I'm a little... Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you've had like, you know, 42 ounces of coffee Oh, so no, I'm trying to avoid coffee. You're trying to avoid coffee? Yes. Why? Yes. Coffee's um, good for you. Because <laughs> my dad has a... He drinks like... Uh, he has to drink a cup of coffee every single day, and sure. I don't want to be a, like that. You, a well, cup? He's like, cut down a lot a pot, since you meant. years ago. Like a pot of coffee. <laughs> The coffee makes me feel uh, shaky, so I try to avoid it. Really? Yes. Wow. I, don't, I, I do not. Uh, I do not share your religious belief there. You know? <laughs> uh, Adrian Fonseca is here, and uh, save the day for me, Adrian. You drink at least a pot of coffee, right? Um, you know, I'm sorry to say, Joe, I don't like coffee. What? What? I don't like the taste of it. What That's all. in the world is going I on? I have nothing today? against coffee. I just. Despise the taste of it. That's all. I like the taste. Despise of coffee. the taste Despise. of coffee. 
Yes, absolutely well, despised. All right. Heresy. Cancel all the guests. We have to focus on this topic alone today. Our next guest will be on coffee. Well, we're going to have <laughs> to have a, an intense conversation on the value and the benefits, uh, especially health benefits of coffee. But I siento. In my defense, I have become my father. I am drinking black coffee. So there you go. I did that for a summer and I hated it. <laughs> all the guys at the, I was working at a warehouse and all the guys drank a cup of black coffee at like five in the morning uh, before we got started. And so I started drinking black coffee every morning and it was horrible. I was like, this is disgusting. Why is, and, but I kept doing it the whole summer, peer pressure. Wow. Well, bummer. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I love coffee. It's great. Uh, speaking of bummer, looks like our our Facebook feed on uh, the Catholic Drive Time Facebook page has crashed. Uh, our friend Glenn Trahan's letting us know over on YouTube. But if guess what? The good news is you could always watch the stream live right on our webpage at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can watch there, hang out there, comment there. But I'm pretty sure that the Facebook feed on our GRN page is still going. And I'm, is it going on Station of the Cross, too? I imagine so. So there's that. We'll, we'll look at getting the uh, Catholic Drive Time Facebook page up and running. But let's jump into the prayers before we jump into our great conversations today with our two guests. We're going to, of course, include your intentions, whatever is on your heart, whatever your needs are. We're including our own. Uh, The Guadalupe Radio Network this week is running their share so we'll be including their intentions as well as the Station of the Cross today, too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, upon all the clergy, give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, Enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay. Taking a look at the headlines today, the Taliban has killed at least 10 Afghans working for a mind-clearing agency. In other news, The Hill says, CDC issues updated COVID-19 travel guidance for dozens of countries. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention updated its travel guidance for several countries as vaccinations increase in the U.S. and in some countries across the globe. The the updated international travel guidance, posted Monday, includes advice for travelers who are vaccinated and those who are not. The update includes guidance for dozens of countries. Iceland, Israel and Singapore were moved into the lowest risk category. Countries like Angola, Djibouti, Finland and Kenya were moved to level 2 while Armenia, Austria, and others were put into Level 3. Countries moved to Level 4 include Haiti, Nicaragua, North Korea, and Uzbekistan. Brazil, India, and Iraq, all of which are grappling with severe outbreaks, remain in the category. The CDC recommends against non-essential travel to Level 3 countries for those who are unvaccinated and all travel to Level 4 countries. From the Epic Times, Texas adopts resolution combating communist China's murder in the form of forced organ harvesting. Texas has officially adopted a resolution condemning the Chinese communist regime's systematic killing of prisoners for conscience over their organs. Every year, thousands of individuals from around the world who are desperately ill fly to China, where they can get an organ transplant surgery in as little as two weeks. In doing so, they may be unwittingly becoming involved in murder in the form of forced organ harvesting, reads the resolution, which aims to warn Texans against taking part in transplant tourism. Known as TXCSRC, 
R3, the resolution also urges Congress and the president to adopt measures prosecuting those responsible for the abuse, banning them from entering America and barring U.S. medical and pharmaceutical companies from collaborating with any complicit Chinese counterparts. The resolution unanimously passed through both chambers of the state legislature. Governor Greg Abbott signed it on June 7th. From Crooks, new stem cell research guidelines a shifting goalpost for embryo safeguards, ethicists says. For 40 years, the International Society for Stem Cell Research put culturing human embryos for more than 14 days in its category of prohibited research activities. On May 6th, it lifted the prohibition and called for greater discussion on the issue. David Albert Jones, the head of the Oxford-based Enscombe Bioethics Center, said the decision was the latest in a series of changes that amounted to a shifting goalpost on human re- embryonic research. When the UK legalized experimentation on human embryos in 1990, it was promised that this would be subject to various safeguards. Number one, no human embryo would be created by cloning. Number two, no human embryo would be genetically modified. Number three, no part human, part non-human embryo would be created. Number four, the use of human embryos in assisted reproduction and in research would be regulated with the utmost care. Number five, and most famously, no experimentation on human embryos would be permitted after 14 days. Jones noted the first three of these safeguards have been removed by the authorities, and the fourth is rarely invoked, since the UK's Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority has rarely, if ever, refused to grant or to extend a research license. And those are your headline news for Wednesday, June 9th. God love you. The saint of the day today is Blessed Anne-Marie Taghi. She was born on the 29th of May, 1769 at Siena, Italy as Anne-Marie Giannetti. She was a daughter of, of Luigi Giannetti and Maria Massi. Her father was a pharmacist in Siena, but his business was bankrupt when Anne-Marie was just five years old. The family moved to Rome, Italy in search of work, but Luigi could only find a job as a household servant. Anne was married on the 7th of January, 1789 to Domenico Taigi, a butler to the noble family of Chigi. She was married for 48 years and mother of seven, two of whom died very young. Anne-Marie was always very concerned about her dress and appearance, far more than would be expected of a working-class mother. Life at home was not always peaceful. Domenico could be ill-tempered and caustic, and Anne would, would, was known to have had an adulterous affair with an older man. But one day, while at prayer at St. Peter's Cathedral, she felt a sudden strong inspiration to ignore the things of this world. She began to live a more austere life and to listen to the Spirit. Trinitarian tertiary, she found Holy Spirit directors, gave all she could to the poor, visited the sick, and counseled many of the patients at the hospital of San Giancomo of the Incurables. She worked hard to evangelize her own family, changing her husband's demeanor, and they all regularly assembled in a small personal chapel to pray together. As the years went on and Anne-Marie devoted herself more and more to prayer, she began to receive mystical gifts, including prophecy and clairvoyance. She sometimes went into ecstasies and received heavenly and prophetic visions. Her simple presence had a powerful effect on many, and she helped with many conversions. Counselor to cardinals, royalty, and three popes, because of her charismatic gifts and her lack of concern about worldly matters, Anne was often the topic of gossip and slander. But she was the recipient of public veneration soon after her death, 
and her cause for beatification began in 1863. She died on the 9th of, Jan of June, 1837 at Rome, Italy of natural causes. Her body is incorrupt. She was beatified on 30th of May, 1920 by Pope Benedict XV. Blessed Anne-Marie Taji, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Adrian, for reading the scene of the day. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're taking it up a notch here. Jesus is taking it up a notch. I loved, uh, I like, uh, of course, the... Uh, uh, chapters 5 through 7 in, in Matthew's gospel because it's the new law. It's the law perfected from the old and brought to a new level in the new. And uh, it, it is so very obvious here what is taking place. There is a deeper moral uh, law that's going to have to take precedence of the lives of the faithful, and they're not going to like necessarily uh, this level of depth, right? They had 635 different laws in addition to the Decalogue, of course, but it's one thing to have the pride to say, oh, look at us, we've got all these great laws and such. It's another to live them. It's quite a different argument and story to have to live all of that. And this is at the heart of Jesus' message today in his gospel. The Navarre commentary would say, Jesus perfects it by giving its definitive interpretation. Why? Because he's, he's God incarnate. He has the authority to do that. And he speaks that way. And this catches their attention, that he speaks with conviction and authority. And this really stands out. Um, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible really points out the fulfillment of the Old Testament and that he is, is completing all of those 635 precepts, the Decalogue, he's bringing it all, all the covenant promises and curses are all perfected in him. But there's a warning here. There's a warning that Chrysostom would say, when you hear the words, least in the kingdom of heaven, imagine nothing less than the punishment of hell. St. Jerome would say, perfect bliss is for him who fulfills indeed what he teaches in word. Be warned, we must obey the Lord and do and live that way. We'll be right back. Dorothy Cummins McLean is coming up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up in about 20 minutes from now, we're going to be speaking with uh, the Auxiliary Bishop in Sydney, Australia, Bishop Umbers, uh, affectionately known as the, the Bishop of Memes. We're going to have a conversation around why he uses memes uh, and uh, how, does he, uh, how does he envision uh, the future as far as evangelization, the young, the faithful in Australia, living a holy life in a scandalous age. All of these questions are going to come up in our conversation with Bishop Richard Umbers coming up in about 20 minutes. Joining us right now via Zoom chat, again, uh, Dorothy cummins McLean. She is uh, a journalist with LifeSite News. She's been on the program several times now, and it's a, it's a pleasure to have her back all the Away from sunny Scotland. Good morning to you, Dorothy. Good morning. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I don't know if it's sunny in Scotland or not. It's usually rainy, isn't it? Um, it depends on which part of Scotland you're in and what time of year. We're actually been very lucky uh, on the east coast of Scotland this week. Well, praise be to God. I'm glad to hear it. There are a few stories in the in the uh, on the LifeSite News website that I wanted to touch base with you on. Let's start briefly and look at the uh, the article. Uh, the headline goes: Three these bishops stand in the way of prohibiting communion for Biden pro-abortion politicians. Now, what's interesting, I think, about this story, and I want you to summarize it for us. But uh, I think in America, there's like six cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, and five of those six signed this letter. Uh, tell us what's the story here. Well, the story, I think, is uh, division uh, between the American bishops um, on the issue of giving communion to uh, to pro-abortion politicians and, and other famous people who live, I know, live, uh, you know, are create a scandal um, by receiving the Eucharist. Um, not only, you know, to the faithful, um, but indeed uh, at, at their own spiritual peril. So I think uh, the sad thing about this, this particular story, I, th- I think a major point is that what the, what the signatories seem to have done is they have, they have asked that there be no vote on whether or not a, a document should even begin to be drafted. So basically, um, the uh, Archbishop Gomez, who's the president of the USCCB, uh, has got a doctrine committee, and a doctrine committee is ready to start preliminary drafts of a document on um, what they're calling Eucharistic coherence, which means that, you know, actions are basically matching words. So the church teaches that abortion is, is, is a terrible evil, a serious moral evil, and politi- some Catholic politicians are promoting it, um, and yet they are receiving communion as if 
you know, they were in a state of, of, of grace uh, and, um, and, and following the, and, and promoting the teachings of the church. So um, the, the sad thing here is that uh, people are, are, these bishops have asked uh, to drop the entire issue of Eucharistic coherence wow. uh, from their June meeting. Yeah. And again, the vote is just about, should we start a preliminary draft? Not <laughs> here's the document, everyone sign. <laughs> So, yeah, it's sad. Is this a case of tone deafness? Do they just not understand that the faithful are kind of getting fed up with with seeing all of this uh, public shenanigans going on, and they just want some uh, coherence to what the church actually teaches? No, I think it's worse than that. Oh, joy. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think... uh, Well, I'm really sorry to say this, uh, but um, uh, I, I fear that... Some of the signatories, not all the signatories, uh, I mean, you know, the auxiliary bishops um, are, are probably under a great deal of pressure. I bet. But, um, but I, I, I suspect that some of the bishops may not actually full-heartedly believe in the church's teaching against abortion. Well, how tragic is that, especially given the gospel passage today and uh, the warning that Chrysostom and Augustine and Jerome and Gregory the Great gave in regards to the least in the kingdom, if they teach error, hellfire could await them in the future. Uh, It's kind of a a scary thought. Uh, So where do we go from here? Do you think that, uh, I mean, is there any indication that Archbishop Gomez will drop this item from their meeting? No. No, there's no indication, and I, I, I want to have a shout out here to The Pillar, uh, which is a new um, online Catholic magazine. The Pillar does yeoman's work. Uh, they've published uh, all the important documents uh, about uh, uh, about this particular issue. Uh, the, the letters, a letter from the head of the CDF, which is the uh, uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, they, uh, uh, Archbishop Gomez wrote to them, uh, and Archbishop Ladaria of the CDF wrote back to him. All these documents. So, you know, I work for a, a different news organization, but I'm very happy to promote the wonderful work that uh, the pillar is doing. All right. Well, praise be to God. We will link to it. Uh, you can find it over at LifeSite News, by the way. Just especially search uh, for all the articles that Dorothy puts out. She's got a whole bunch of them that are very good. Uh, well, let's let's transition to this other very complicated story. I mentioned this on Monday's program. Uh, the, the headline goes like this. French court removes six children from British parents of 10 after dispute over Catholic schooling. Now, this seems to be a very complicated story, but what really caught my attention in this was, one, uh, they're trying to homeschool their kids. I try to homeschool my kids, so that's kind of anything like that kind of always makes me nervous. But number two, they took these kids out of the home. They placed them in the home of a Muslim who taught them Muslim prayers and wouldn't let them go to Holy Mass. That, to me, is very scandalous, and I I would hope that the, uh, the, uh, the Catholic Church locally would stand up for these kids. But uh, what is the story here? All right. So what happened is you had a, a couple, uh, uh, an English couple from Yorkshire who went to France in 2005 with their four British-born kids. Um, they wanted to live out in the countryside. Uh, the uh, cost of living is cheaper in France. And the, um, the father thought he would he'd make his living as a roofer. He's a roofer. He's, you know, he's a blue collar guy Mm. so um and he mostly works uh fixing the houses of other british expatriates because it's kind of the british dream to go and live in france uh better weather (laughs) is that what all those wars were about i'm just curious i mean you guys seem to fight each other all the time over there (laughs) well it's complicated let's just put it that way (laughs) uh at any rate um 
so what what basically happened is they originally put their children into French schools just where they were, and uh, they they became concerned um, for the faith of the children uh, in these very secular schools, but also there seemed to have been a lot of bullying uh, of the older girls, for example, because they were English and because they, in fact, their parents were practicing Catholics. That that's unfortunately. Uh, a theme that really came out in this story. Um, the 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 dad's not a Catholic. The, the mom's a Catholic. The dad's not a Catholic. Um, so they, is they he Anglican or, or agnostic or what is? No, it? I think he's. Um, well, I uh, he I've just all I've been told is he doesn't have a religion. I see. Uh, so I suspect that just means he comes from a, a you know, standard uh, northern Secular English home. Protestant background. Yeah, you know, you know, his grandparents probably went to church. You know, sure. So. Uh, at any rate, um, yeah. So these, so so. Uh, in short, what happened is that uh, the the mom wanted to have really good Catholic schooling, so she put uh, the six youngest children. So we're we're dealing with the six youngest now. There's now ten children. Six were born in France. Um, so the 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 French born children, uh, two of them were put into an excellent uh, girls uh, uh, boarding school, a uh, Catholic girls boarding school run by Dominican nuns. Uh, I have friends who went there. It's a lovely school and. Um, the boys, uh, two of the boys, the, the older boys, old enough to go to school, uh, were put in a, um, a, another boarding uh, school a bit farther away, and the, the two little boys were being uh, were in a local public school. But the, the dad really wanted the kids home. He missed them, um, and uh, and the, meanwhile, social workers had gotten involved uh, because when the mom first took uh, her children out of their um, French uh, public school, she didn't actually inform the school. Oh, uh, oh, and no. a parent. Well, yeah, I, I don't think she. At any rate, I, uh, what happened was a parent um, called up social services. So a parent of another child in the same school called up social services to complain about these English people taking their their boys out of school. So that, unfortunately, is how social services first entered into the life of this family. And social services, French social services, was very concerned to discover the existence of ten children to the same married couple. <laughs> Yeah, I bet that could be shocking to them. I'm, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, they are. You know, um, is you know, people sometimes think that French is a France is a Catholic country, but this has not been true uh, for over a hundred years. Yeah, there's a, a small, um, a small French Catholic minority, as sometimes influential, sometimes not. Um, and uh, they, they, they have fought for the faith, and that's why there are these Catholic boarding schools, for example, still, still in existence. Uh, however, um, an English, you know, an English blue-collar family uh, in, in Normandy is, is not likely to know, um, you know, the, the French, French Catholic former aristocracy. So, I mean, this family must have been living in France now for a decade at minimum. Oh, uh, more than that, since 2005. Okay, so they've been so, living yeah, there a long time. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, the French Revolution is alive and well in France, apparently. But where, well, okay, so the kids right now, are they still being fostered in this, the home of the Muslim? Yeah, so the, the children are divided up, which is another sad aspect oh. of the story. So uh, if I understand correctly, two boys were sent one place, two boys were sent the other place, and the two little girls who should have just been put back in their convent school. I mean, seriously, it's really shocking. They, 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 only, they, they happened to be visiting their mom uh, for the weekend uh, uh, when, when uh, the social workers turned up to say, we're taking your kids. So 
which and then the mother fled with all the children. It's again, it, you are right. It's a complicated story. So well, we, ha- I we have about two minutes to 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 uh, until we have to say goodbye. So uh, it's gotten so complicated. But where where are they at? Where are they going to see their kids again? Are they going to be able to get them back? Is the church getting involved to advocate on their behalf? What is that about? Um, the church has not been involved um, except the the greater church uh, around the world because people have been have had their hearts have been touched and they've been donating money for the legal fund. So Praise hopefully, God. hopefully the children will be freed by by late June, but we don't know yet. And do you know where they're donating that money to? Like how how do people find that? Yeah, what people should do is go to LifeSite News, uh, read the article, and or skip down to the bottom, and they will find a link to uh, the England based uh, uh, fundraiser. Wow. Uh, I can imagine that uh, expats in a foreign country, things get even more complicated uh, because I, I'm guessing this couple still sees themselves as English. Yes. Yes, they do. And they and they also see their children as English because they have English parents and English is the, the, the first language of the home. And yet the, the French government doesn't see it that way. No, it would appear that the six children born in France are considered French by the French government. So they figure they can do whatever they, they see fit. On behalf of those kids, unfortunately, yes. Uh, some countries really feel that state owns children, not their parents. Wow, <laughs> this is the fruit of the French Revolution, right here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Uh, so, what what do you think the chances are that a good resolution will come out of the story? I think it depends on the lawyer. I, I think it depends on whether the state has actually overstepped itself in this issue, which uh, I, I think it has. But again, uh, it would take a good lawyer, a good French lawyer, to be able to sort out to what extent uh, France has violated the rights of the children. Mm. It's, they certainly ha- France certainly has violated the rights of the children insofar as the right to their parents and the right to practice their religion. Um, so, yeah, that goes against the, the UN Convention of, hum- of Human Rights for the Child. All right. Well, college you is. That's a pretty complicated and tragic story so far. Let's keep them in prayer. Dorothy Cummins McLean from LifeSite News. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing this information with us. God bless you and God love you. Have a great day. We're going to be right back. Bishop Umbers is coming up next after this break. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, all religions believe basically the same thing. They only differ in their external forms, in the way they express it. G.K. Chesterton says the truth is precisely the other way around. The religions of the world do not differ greatly in rites and forms. They do differ greatly in what they teach. In most every religion, people pray, they sing, they read sacred texts, they honor their traditions, they have special feasts, they light candles and so on. But they don't teach the same things. They don't believe the same things. There's only one religion that believes that Christ is the Son of God, that he suffered and died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. Only one religion believes in one holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Ocasio-Cortez calls Biden's immigration policy inhumane. Warning people not to come seems like precursor to violence against immigrants. El Salvador becomes the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Bipartisan Senate report on January 6th finds failures of security, planning, and response. In other news, cryptocurrency industry lobbies Washington for regulatory clarity, according to The Hill. The cryptocurrency industry is increasing its lobbying presence in Washington as it attempts to ease concerns from Congress and regulators about digital currencies' volatility, environmental impact, and role in recent high-profile ransomware attacks. As the Biden administration explores making changes to regulations governing cryptocurrency, the industry is hiring former government officials and ex-lawmakers with extensive knowledge of the regulatory process. President Biden is expected to discuss cryptocurrency's role in ransomware attacks at this week's Group of Seven meeting. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has proposed rules requiring increased reporting of cryptocurrency ownership and IRS Commissioner Charles Reddig told a Senate panel Tuesday that the agency needs more authority from Congress to track digital transactions. But industry lobbyists say they're not bracing for a crackdown on cryptocurrency or the blockchain technology powering it. Instead, they're hopeful they can help the administration craft new regulations and garner support in Congress for bipartisan legislation favored by the industry. Industry lobbyists are asking IRS officials to clarify how various cryptocurrencies are taxed. They're also proposing guidelines to officials at the Securities and Exchange Commission, detailing how cryptocurrency companies can introduce new products to the market without violating securities laws. From the Epic Times, University of Notre Dame embraces Pride Month, touts Biden's pro-LGBT statement. The Catholic University of Notre Dame has officially dubbed June to be Pride Month, essentially joining with every other woke corporation and institution in the United States and the very pro-LGBT Biden administration. A statement issued by the university's Office of Diversity and Inclusion proclaims that Pride Month is observed each June in the United States in commemoration of the Stonewall Uprising, and that it is also a time to recognize the contributions of LGBTQ Americans and raise awareness about efforts for equal justice and equal opportunity for the LGBTQ community. The university issued the statement despite the fact that it stands in direct opposition to the church's very clear teaching on homosexuality and the immutable truth about the complementarity of man and woman. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Wednesday. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date on the news. Joining us right now via Zoom chat all the way from sunny Australia is Bishop Richard Umbers. He is the Auxiliary Bishop in Sydney. Uh, and from what I understand, the youngest Catholic bishop in Australia and the first priest of Opus Dei to be appointed a bishop in Australia. Good morning to you, Your Excellency. Good morning. Now, what time is it there uh, right now? It's actually uh, 9.30 o'clock at night, 9.30 p.m. So good morning to you. Yeah, praise be. <laughs> yeah, well, good, so good morning. Yes, that's, but the thing is, I remember once I, I flew to L.A. and we left Sydney at 10 a.m. And I arrived in L.A. at 6 a.m. the same day. Yeah, that's it's very weird. I, 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 I flew to uh, Guam a few years back to give a talk at a Catholic conference down there. 
and uh, and I lost like a whole day. And my kids just couldn't wrap their mind around uh, around how dad. Well, could well the, be. the big issue is what do you do about the liturgy of the hours? That this is this is the, the yeah. Thing, you know, when you, when you actually miss a day. <laughs> but anyway, a... Well, you just pray both, right? You just pray both days all the same time, and then you make up for whatever you lack. But well, you got time. You got time to do everything, so it's, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, can you understand my accent? I mean, that's that's one of the things. Do you understand this kind of English? Or? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's uh, it's no problem. I have an interpreter over here. That tells me everything you. Say so. He just. And it, but you're, is, we're raised. We're raised in the diet of American TV. So we've been well and truly ideologically colonized by the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. um, beginning with Sesame Street onto the Muppets, and, and, it, and it goes from there. That's the gateway. But, uh, <laughs> what kind of culture? Are but you don't, I don't know how many Aussie programs you actually get in the USA. So you know, <laughs> if you watch Neighbors or anything like that, I don't know. It's, you know, uh, it is kind of interesting. You you point that out because I, I as someone who has to follow the news all the time, one of my sources is Sky, Sky News Australia. And, uh, yes, yes, and I'm back. I'm always uh, watching, you know, the conversations going on, especially as it relates to China, uh, very concerned with China these days. And uh, and I'm always surprised about how how American-focused the commentary is down there. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, you guys really are paying attention. Well, to everyone, look, everywhere, I look, I've traveled a lot, and, and the newspaper normally, wherever, any country you're in, the, the, there's something about the, the local news, and then there's what's happening in the States. Yeah, and then there's <laughs> what's happening in the States. Well, you know, I, I shudder to think about what is communicating. And the internet, the internet has made it worse because, um, so Australia is a, from, a, from an English background, and, you know, we had things like Guy Fawkes. Do you know what Guy Fawkes is? Of yes. course, yes. Okay, so great. Well, that, that sort of stuff. But now, now I see everyone going out trick and treating for Halloween. And that, like, what has that got to do? That, that, uh, even, even, even now, even Thanksgiving, people are celebrating. Like, hey, hey, amen. Fathers, I am pro Thanksgiving. Australia. I am pro. I am pro Thanksgiving. If you can't tell, uh, Bishop, yes. you know. Now, uh, trick, or, trick or treating—that's a third rail here. A lot of people are very sensitive about, uh, con- you know, cr- criticizing trick or treating. But I, I think a. Uh, I'm, uh, we definitely don't go trick-or-treating at my house anyway. Uh, but uh, one of the reasons why we invited you on was because uh, you are affectionately known as the Bishop of Memes. And, uh, you know, I was commenting at the beginning of the hour how uh, the first time I heard someone use the word meme, I didn't even know what it meant, and I had to go look it up. And that was the first time in my life I felt old because the kids were using terms I did not know. And, uh, and I, get- I, I, felt, I felt old uh, yesterday because I was driving with – uh, ben Connolly, who, who helps me with social media. And we've been interviewing um, Bishop Columba, who's, who is the closest thing you'll get to, to uh, Texan in Australia. And um, we stopped because Ben, you know, being a younger, younger fellow, had to stop at McDonald's. <laughs> and we, we went to the Lithgow McDonald's both ways. It's like halfway. And, and honestly, uh, I couldn't taste the food. And it wasn't COVID related. I think it was just age. Like I thought, this is cardboard. <laughs> yeah, he enjoyed it anyway. That's it. It's not, not. It doesn't have a great, good reputation for for good food for sure. But uh, now it's interesting because uh, we live in a in a sort of a weird world anymore, and um, communications in particular, especially those online, are sort of short, sweet, to the point. Oftentimes, curt and uh, sarcastic and and cutting. And it's so it's interesting to see how you are trying to leverage it within this sort of atmosphere, uh, this technology, this communication means in order to cut through it all. And I just pulled up one of your memes on your Twitter handle at Bishop Umbers. Oh, 
And uh, and it's funny because I, I my family and I go to the TLM. We go to the Latin Mass. Yes. And uh, so we are used to saying seeing this. And I, I wonder how many people who don't go to Nova, go to or go to Nova Sorda, the extraordinary the ordinary form of the Mass, might uh, you know not understand this. But the, the meme says, "No matter the roof." Domine non sum dignus, and then there's two pictures. One's of like a nice house, and the other, like one is where like Adrian, my producer, would live, and the other one's where like I live in the shack, you know. And uh, no, and you know, it's it's fascinating. Is it's like what's the what is the theology of your memes, Bishop? What do you hope to accomplish through all of this? Well, in the first place, I have to say it's probably just me working out my frustrations with so much bureaucracy. So the, the more memes, it means the, the worse the meetings were that day. Uh, <laughs> Some people just eat, binge eat, and drink a lot of coffee, but you do memes. I got it. I, got I mean, it. that's it's 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 uh, you know, therapy for myself. I think just because it's the modern life. Honestly, the 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 technology has just made more meetings possible. So you, you you don't only have meetings at work physically, but then on your phone through like it's just crazy, crazy meetings about uh, meetings. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, you have meetings prior to the meeting, so that, you know, preparing for the meeting is a meeting, and then you have the debrief from the meeting, and then there's the working party. And the, like, in the end, it's just the, the whole aim, I read, the aim is to get your 200 page report, yes, which you course. then give to the bishops all at once uh, about a day before they meet. Yes. And then they've got to, they've got to talk, set around, nod their heads very seriously. You know, yeah. page 84, I think, that yes. uh, Article 3.5. Now, is it true, the 1986 conference, uh, when we had that charter now, i think that would be better placed in page 45 if you see under yes. article that, that, that's that's about it really that's 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 life so it's in yeah. that context that you get a few memes yeah i just was thinking about Athen you know uh bishop athanasius in alexandria fighting the arians <clears throat> i wonder how many meetings he had every day <laughs> probably not as many as Oof. you do <laughs> anyway, look, I, mean, it's, I, I actually like to push for an indulgence for attendance at a meeting yeah <laughs> That'd be a good call. <laughs> Sanctification. So, so in your in your meme creation, in your like yeah. let's go back to the theology of memes here. Yes. So yes. You, what you what do you hope to accomplish when you put these memes? I know it's sort of stress reliever, but like you seem, it's a, it's you a seem to have it's a little bit esoteric. It's you a you bit have esoteric. intention <clears throat> in this. It's not just random. <clears throat> no. Look, what I guess what I, I'm trying to pique curiosity. So it, it has to be recognizable enough that you say, yeah, okay, I can sort of see there's something going on here, especially, especially if other people are kind of getting it, because then, then that really piques people's curiosity and say, well, hey, why do they get it? And I don't quite understand what, so the hope is that you'll go and Google, you know, mm. what, what is the, you, know, you Google it, dominate non subdenius what is this? And they go, oh, I see, and you start reading about it and you, you actually end up forming yourself. Um, I mean, I can just tell you straight up. But there's nothing like sort of asking a couple of questions or putting a few poses and sort of, you know, I, I guess I'm working off people's curiosity. Have you seen a response in that regard? Have you seen people actually respond back to you and, and sort of figured this out? They've unlocked the clues and got to the result that you, you intended? Occasionally. Occasionally, okay. yes. Occasionally. Occasionally. Uh, I think most times people are sort of waiting for the next one. That they, they, like, a common reaction is like, look, I enjoy it. I have no idea what this is, but I enjoy it. So just keep watching. Hold that thought. <laughs> We're talking with uh, okay. Bishop Umbers. He is the auxiliary in Sydney, Australia, affectionately known as the, uh, the Bishop of Memes. We're going to continue our conversation on the other side of this very short break uh, with Bishop Umbers. So don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. We live with the illusion that we are in control. 
One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Yet, how much of life actually is under our control? We need to develop our talents and make prudent preparations for the future. But how many times have our plans been sidetracked by forces outside our control? Sometimes, unexpected changes have even opened up new opportunities. In his rule, St. Benedict talks about the beauty and purpose of monastic life. The rule is very successful at separating the monks who live according to its teaching from the illusion of control, giving us a peaceful confidence in God's provident care. For your free copy of the Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. It's all preparation for our last act of letting go of control when we will have to commend our life trustingly into the Father's hands and death. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good to be on with you. Praise be to God. I got caught Googling, trying to figure out memes from Bishop Umbers here on the break. Um, but uh, Bishop Umbers is our guest. He is the auxiliary bishop in Sydney, Australia, and he uh, loves to use uh, memes. I would argue, Bishop, uh, welcome back, by the way, that uh, okay. you are putting out memes to just make us feel, uh, you know, dull and dim-witted. Because I had to, like, I don't even know what Ratramnus is, and I had to Google it. You know, I'm like, oh, that's that's like somebody who's an abbot or something. I don't even know. I have to still look at it. But uh, so we we're talking about your memes and your use of memes prior. To the break, and I'm fascinated by it because, again, so much of what happens on the internet, even if it's for like a good reason, even if it's to like, you know, call out an error, an error must be called out, but it seems to be backbiting or, or it has a certain edge to it, uh, sort of a a meanness, and uh, your your uh, your memes are kind of they're almost like puzzles that have to be unlocked, right? Wouldn't you say? Well, that, more or less, so, so Ben Connolly, for instance, um, who started work at the Archdiocese two years ago for the Catholic Weekly. Now, he had been, uh, in his own words, had been sort of taking a bit of a break, but came back to the faith. And his first conversation with me, they were all, you know, the various journalists and people from the department that were sitting down at the cafe. We'd done some interview at, at a local parish. And the conversation got to to memes. How's that? I mean, he, he was fascinated. They'd never met a bishop before, I think. And they, his first conversation was about memes. So he actually uh, started learning more and more about his faith and about the catechism uh, through those memes, trying to figure wow. out who's this guy that I work for. And <laughs> from that, he's now he's now started to to really come along, and he's he's bringing a lot of young professionals to talks in the city next to the cathedral. They call it City Compass. Uh, that's been very successful for them. And uh, now he's, he's also helping me. He writes the scripts for The Truth in a Minute, which um, I don't know if you've seen any of those. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, the, yes, uh, Your Excellency, 
I, you know, when I first heard about you, I didn't know you were a real bishop. I thought it was a meme account that was just posting it uh, just as a meme. And me and my friends, I'm 23, and I was at the university, just graduated from the University of St. Thomas in Houston. And we would talk about your memes and discuss your memes uh, just all the time. And a friend of mine uh, went to some conference and came back and goes, guess what? I took a picture with Bishop Umbers. And uh, I was like, he's yeah. a real bishop? <laughs> yeah, when, I, when I first started, when I first started with these memes, uh, it was all with the... Uh, because I found the whole thing of, uh, I can't even pronounce the monkey's name properly, Harambe or whatever. It was so absurd, but there was kind of something in that. And, uh, you know, there was the, here come that boy with a little frog on a unicycle. And you go like, what is this? And I kind of got into it. But people were sending me messages saying, I want you to hold up today's newspaper. You know, like, you're not real. <laughs> so I guess what was something quite crazy now has kind of become, oh, yeah, he does memes. And, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. And uh, and that's uh, that's the thing that it's uh, normalized. It's quite um, a great tool of evangelization. Uh, we we are sitting around talking about memes, and we're going to be doing that anyways. As young people, we're going to be sitting around talking about memes and showing each other memes. But it's so much greater whenever they're these surprisingly in depth memes with a lot of theological and philosophical meat on them. Uh, how can we start using the culture more? I was looking at your podcast and you did a, just did one recently on humor. Um, how can we use the culture to bring forth truth to the, to people and to get young people to start talking about things that are true, good and beautiful. I, I look, it is, it is difficult. And, and I know that the, the medium is many times the message. And, and as you've been saying, you know, there is a lot of, meanness at times online um there is a tendency to tribalism and, and that can lead to a, a a lack of even philosophical charity where you try to give the best possible explanation such that you are not just straw, you're not straw man and you're still proofing the sort of you know the, the opposition and so that you can give the best argument which is often a lot more convincing um but i think it is it's look it's a, it, it's about a range a range of things so that you, you've, you've got to get people's attention first. Once you have their intention, once they get to come, come and know who you are, they may be interested in learning more. And, and that's where I guess when I put out a, a podcast that is actually fairly highbrow um, with, with various people, I have to admit. But hey, people like Jordan Peterson have huge following and they talk for ages. <laughs> so it's not necessarily the case that you have to put everything in, in 30 seconds. But to begin with, I think, you know, just to, you've got to get people's catch their eye. Is there any subject that you avoid? Is What's the third rail for you, Bishop? What do I avoid? I, I, look, I avoid getting into partisan politics because as a, as a cleric, that's not my place. Certainly, I will talk about human rights. Uh, I will talk about anything that comes from the catechism. But it, I have to be very careful, one, to... Uh, to respect people's freedom in, in matters theological and, and, and above all in, in areas of politics where well-meaning and, and, and well-formed Catholics can honestly disagree with each other. Uh, and I think as, a, as uh, someone who comes from the other side of the world, it's reasonably easy for me to avoid dipping into the American scene as regards politics. Because one, I, I, look, I, even though you know, we, we follow from, from a distance, it is from a distance. Um, you know, I, I will speak in, in general principles, but, uh, you know, what do I know about 
this politician or this other politician. I, I, I'm much more informed when it comes to Australian, uh, the Australian side of things. So that that I avoid. Um, other things, I think it, it it depends a little bit. I, I would tend to focus more, if you will, on the dogmatic side. Uh, I, I think it's worth always looking at the big picture about uh, like God. <laughs> That's amazing. Just to talk about that God exists. Like wow, uh, the the wonder that comes from the fact that we're here. Uh, and then all the all all the the, the metaphysical aspects. Uh, that that we hold dear and and need repeating. Now, down the track, down the track, you can talk about morals and spirituality and, and, and these other things, which which come from that that initial encounter of wonder with God. You know what I finally, what I really realized is that whenever you know something, and I believe G.K. Chesterton has a quote, something along these lines, where it's, if you don't know a topic, you can't say it succinctly. You must know a topic uh, in depth in order to get across your point in a very clear and succinct way. And the and what, what memes do, and what I know a lot of young people do, is we're able to take these arguments, and we're able to succinctly see them laid out in a meme format, and it's actually getting across a very deep point. So how do you come up with uh, some of these ideas? Is it just like you're just looking at, you're just grabbing the meme templates and then trying to fill in the gaps? Or what? what how do you do these? So so in the first place, I, I've after trial and error, I've come across um, some Reddit meme sites, which is, <laughs> sounds awful, <laughs> but I'll, I'll keep an eye on those to see what's trending. And then if I see something, I think, oh, okay, I can see this is starting to take off. I'll, I'll download it. And then I'll get to work. Uh, something will, will occur to me um, from my own knowledge of theology, or at times I will persecute the poor priest who lives with me because it'll be about, you know, sort of 10 o'clock at night and he's trying to just unwind and talk about the day. And, and I'll go, stop. Here's the following picture. Now, what's the meme that I can put to this? You know, and we had a, a seminarian on placement with us. And the poor guy, uh, he'd be, you know, su- he'd have to suffer this every night at the same time. And he said, ah, now I know because he's studying in Rome. He goes, this is why those memes come out at that time. <laughs> now, now I know the process behind all this. <laughs> That's hilarious. Bishop Richard Ombers is our guest. He is the auxiliary bishop in Sydney, Australia. We'll have a few minutes left with uh, with you, Bishop, and we're very, again, grateful for your time today. I wanted to ask you about the state of the church in Australia, the state of the faithful in Australia and New Zealand. What, what, are, what are the... Uh, how is life down there for Catholics? Look, it, it's it's the the same in the the West all over, uh, and the internet has played and continues to play an incredibly important role, and it's one in which I don't think, in general, that we have adjusted to that. Um, the bishops are sick of hearing from me about the internet. Um, I actually have to come up with something else to say because I had one of them say to me recently, said, look, you sandwich everything with, you know, like, it's, a, it's a bit like, you know, Cartago de Lenda Est, you know, get with it with the internet, you know. Anyway, um, but <laughs> I have to, I have to really glad to talk about some of the topics. But, but that we really haven't adjusted to the, the massive, massive impact that it's having. It, it's the printing press did at its, at, at its time. Mm. Um, and so I think one of the big ones is faith and science, uh, to the compatibility of the faith with everything else that people are learning. Um, now, unfortunately, unfortunately, as much as we have all the tools necessary to us, we have some great Catholic universities, we have wonderful lecturers, they do very engaging workshops, 
They answer questions that, that kids in grade 11 or grade 12 will have, and, and they do ask deeper, deeper questions about Nietzsche or Dostoevsky or whatever. I mean, I see that at youth conferences. As much as I try to have actual workshops set up, I, I just get blocked out. Like, no one wants it. They just want guitars and T-shirts that say Jesus loves you, <laughs> which is fine. You know, Jesus, that Jesus loves it. We need to hear that all the time. But there's a little bit more going on here. I, I've been in with primary school kids. You know, they, they bring me in to the grade six. And the little keys, you any questions for Bishop? And, and one of the kids might ask, you know, a few basic questions. But I tend to actually go into the weeds and I, I make distinctions between things. And then the kids really set up and take notice. And they start asking deep questions about how, what's the difference between, you know, what's Henry VIII and the Anglicans and the Catholic Church? What happened there? Uh, how come, you know, you can have an annulment? What's the, they've got these deep questions. And the teachers try to intervene and say, it's love. It's all love. Love, 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 love. And I'm saying, yes, but, and then I start again with more distinctions and the kids take notice. So it's a question many times of offering up to them. I mean, there's, there's a, a range of things, but we have to take the intellect seriously because the, the kids are smart. Yeah. And, and uh, if you give it to them, they'll, they'll absorb it. Well, uh, we are out of time, Richard. Uh, Bishop Richard Umbers has been our guest, the Bishop of Memes, and we're very grateful for your time uh, being on with us all the way from Australia uh, in your evening time. Bishop, can you give us uh, your blessing? Uh, absolutely. God bless you. Benedictio Dei Lubadentis, Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Santi, Desidus, Supervas, et Mani, et Semper. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. God bless you and God love you, Bishop. Have a great day. All the best. And that is going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time today. If you can join us in our next hour, well, the share is happening across the Guadalupe Radio Network, so please tune in. That'd be amazing. But the Catholic Drive Time team will be back on the air at 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern, across the GRN and streaming live on our social platforms. You can find them all linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Don, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive His forgiveness. In James 5.16, God, through sacred scripture, commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus tells us that He was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now Jesus sends out his disciples as the Father has sent him. So what authority must Jesus be sending his disciples out with? the authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. 
And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Come on, man. What are we talking about?
that, that, it doesn't work for me. I gotta have more cowbell. That, that, it doesn't work for me. I gotta have more cowbell. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell.